Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. from verse 1 to 19. At the end of the reading now, say, this is the word of the Lord. Please, let's all respond by saying, thanks be to God. Psalm 116, 1 to 19. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to you for all your goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of my salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant. Lord, I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Okay, can you hear me? Okay. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm as surprised as you are, too. (laughs) I mean, Pastor told me a while back, and I had to take Panadol because it's... It's, a, it's really a, a big deal to bring God's word to us. And if you're here for the first time, I want to welcome you. Um, don't judge. If someone doesn't go well, <laughs> don't judge City Church by, 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 by this. Or say, we have really good preachers. But <laughs> God, God actually has something to say. God has something to say. And so let us, let us um, bow our heads as we ask God to speak to us. Our Father and God, we ask that you speak to us. We ask, O oh God, that you will open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your word. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayers. We ask in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, first of all, Happy New Year to Happy New Year to everyone. And this is like the year that everybody has been relieved to come into 2001 because 2021, because 2020 was, was really a year. And many people will be like, ah, 
So what if, there are some people that be like, what if 2021 is season two of 2020? And everybody's like, we don't care. We don't care. We're just happy to have left 2020. And someone said that 2020 was a year, the best description is that 2020 was a year of or more times 50,000. Means that things are just happening and you're saying, you just keep saying, ah, or more, or more, or more, or more. And when we now fell on Christmas Day, we're like, ah, I said, it was very on brand for 2020. But the thing about this saying Omo is that it is not happening to you. And you, you can only say Omo when you're seeing it happening to someone else. If, if, if you're in the midst of the storm, you can't really say anything. And so it was a really dark season for many people. And the psalmist was in that kind of season in, the, in, the, in Psalm 116. And we are going to look at you know, what he did. He had just come out of this season when he wrote the psalm. And the psalm is a psalm of testimony. He's telling of us of what God has done. And, he, and sorry, he's telling us about what God has done. And it reminds us that God's personal rescue should evoke a response of grateful praise and service to him. And if you're in Nigeria and you like your testimonies, I don't know, we don't really do, well, we do testimonies here. But you like your testimonies where you're dancing from the back and you're just dancing and thanking God. And that's the kind of thing that is happening here. And the Jews continued to use this psalm and continued to sing it, especially in the Passover. They sang it to remember God's goodness to them. And so we are going to look at it under three points. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't going to use three points, but when I asked Emmanuel, do you have to use three points? And he said, well, you don't really have to use it. But what I heard was like when you know, our parents, you ask your mom, where do I put, where should I put this thing? I tell you. So, <laughs> As, I, as a well-brought-up child, <laughs> well child, I remember the adage that said, feel at home doesn't mean that you should fry for eggs. <laughs> so I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and look at it on that three points. The first one is a desperate situation. The second one is a great rescue. And the third one is a grateful response. And the title of the message is Living with Gratitude. And we'll go ahead. A, great, a desperate situation, a great rescue, and a grateful response. And the title of the sermon is Living with Gratitude. And the first one is a desperate situation. We see, now, you see immediately that the psalmist doesn't think that what happened to him was a small thing. He said, the cause of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. And that's in verse 3 and verse 11. And I just kept thinking about it. Have you felt, he says, the cords of death entangled me, as if death was literally, literally choking him. And I've felt this way before. When I was 16, I almost drowned in a river. And never mind that. <laughs> it's a funny story. I'd only been in a pool twice before then, but I had Googled extensively how to swim. <laughs> so I, I went and I almost drowned. And during that time, all I could think about was, and so, first of all, it's down under, it's dark, you cannot see anything. You, cannot, you want to shout, but you cannot shout. Because if you shout, you're going to drink water. And you're just wondering, can somebody just help me? Why is nobody realizing that I'm not outside? Why can't anybody see me? Can't somebody bring me out? I am all alone. I am going to die. And that is the kind of situation that the psalmist was in. He's talking about situations where you find yourself in and you're entirely helpless. All you can do is to just watch and see as your world is, is tumbling around you. It may be that your loved one has a serious illness. 
and you're watching someone so full of life, just wasting away and unable to do basic things, and you're, you wish you could take their place, but you can't. And you know, you're brave for them, but when you just go out, you just go outside and cry, because there's nothing you can do. Since the anguish of the grave came over me, sometimes maybe having struggles, we made struggles with sin. Someone I know he was involved with sexual sin, and he said one day he was driving back to work, and he just he was driving to work, and he just parked by the road and cried like a baby, because he could not save himself. He knew that tomorrow he was going to do the exact same thing. Samus was overcome by distress and sorrow. Maybe that your close friend has betrayed you, and you feel like something broke inside you. Or you're in a relationship and you gave your all, but it didn't work out. And you're walking through a fog and you don't know whether you'll ever be able to trust anyone. The psalmist said, I said in my alarm, everyone is a liar. It can be a lot of things. It can be financial difficulty. It can be marital problems. It can be depression. It can just be that 2020 was a really, really, really rough year. And in such a situation, from such a situation, that the psalmist cries out to God. And the NIV says, he said, God, save me. Funny thing about this thing, I was, really, I was looking at other versions, and the NIV actually makes a lot of sense, because King James is something like, and then I said, oh Lord, I beseech you, save my soul. Because when you're in a problem, there's not a lot. <laughs> you, will not be, you will not be saying all that. And the NIV says, oh Lord, save me. And it's such a, it's God, So many times, when we're in that problem, there's no time for big English. We don't have time for flowery language. But God hears us. Amen. Just three words, Lord, save me. And he heard the psalmist. That's a hymn that is, that is based on this psalm. And it even, even says it better. It says, I love the Lord because he heard, he heard my cry. He pitied every groan. Sometimes you're not even able to say, Lord, save me. But God hears you. God pities every groan. And he delivered the psalmist. And so he cried out to God, and God responded. This is my second point. It's going to be a short sermon. But how God answered him is really, really interesting. The Bible says that God inclined his ear to him. And so God is not deaf. So if God is shouting to God, you know, he's not, what do you say? But he's trying to show that God paid him special attention. Most like when my daughter is talking to me, and I squat to listen to her. You only lean in when you're interested in what somebody has to say. And he says, God bent his ear to me. God inclined himself to me. And it's remarkable if you consider the placement of this psalm. So there's Psalm 1. And so I was saying that the Jews sang, this song, sang these psalms during Passover and, and their other festivals. And so they sang from Psalm 113 to 118. And so we need to take them as a unit. And so in Psalm 116, it says that our God is in the heaven. He do, Psalm 115, sorry. It says that our God is in the heaven. He does whatever he pleases. And that the nation of Israel should put their trust in him. Psalm 118 says all the nations, Psalm 117 calls all the nations to praise him. And in between these Psalms of saying God is so great, he deals with nations, we see a, an individual Psalm sandwiched inside. That God that deals with nations, he, the nations, God that is so great, bends his ear to listen to the psalmist. I don't know if you're in a problem now, but God is bending his ear to you. God is with you in that situation. He's not just interested about big things, but even the small things, even our small problems, he's interested in us. And he says in verse 6, he says, I am simple, and he talks about being simple and lowly. It's like you're saying, ah, I, know, I don't really have sense like that. But yet God still inclines his ear to him. And this is what God did for us in Jesus we were surrounded by death. We we're not just almost dying. We we're already dead in our sins. We we're already without hope and without, 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 and lost. 
And God did not just incline his ear to us. God came down to us. God sent Jesus and he came down to meet us in our situation. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, that since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by death he may break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. And if you're a Christian, this psalm is your testimony. If you're a Christian, this psalm is a description of what God did for you in Christ. When you had no hope, he came and saved us. And the psalmist goes on to testify in verse 7. He says, return to your rest, for the Lord has been good to you. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Here's what he's telling us. Pastor Femi was telling us on on the cross of our service, that memorization leads to inspiration. He's remembering what God had done for him. And he says, God's record, and it's telling that God's record of faithfulness should evoke a response of restful trust in his purpose and plan. And it's not just that God, and so that's where, and at this point, I kind of disagree with the NIV. It's not, it just says, return to your rest because God has been good to you. But if you look at maybe a KJV on ESV, it says, God has dealt bountifully with me. And there's a difference between God has been good and God has dealt bountifully with me. I'm going to give you an example. So back in the days when um, in City Church, before, we, before the pandemic and we went online, we used to have weekly activities and like not all the time. Then we have prayer, prayer day or a theology day and there'll be small chops at the back. Well, the, the small chops were enough for everybody but not enough for you to take extra. And so Pelimu will have to stand there and start shouting, one, 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 one. That's how, but when you talk about God dealing bountifully, when you go to Elder Moe's party. <laughs> and when you go there, there is no, there is no, have you eaten before? There is no, it's just, they're just heaping your plates, and heaping your plates, and heaping your plates, and heaping your plates. And that's what he says, God has dealt bountifully with me. He gives an example. He says, for you, O Lord, verse 8, from verse 8, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And he's saying, look, God has, and if you look at how how it is, the structure, it says, God has delivered me from death, and now I am alive. He has cleaned my eyes from tears, and now I can see the Lord. He has stopped my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And he says, because of this, because of this, I will trust in him. And the sweet part is he says, he doesn't just say rest, he says return to your rest. So it means that he was resting before in God's promise. But something happened, and now he wants to return to his rest. You were resting in God's promise, but 2020 happened. And God is speaking to you today, he says return to your rest. God is speaking to you, return to your rest. Where you were resting in God, you were trusting God, and something bad happened. You lost your job. Somebody fell sick, and now you're discouraged. God is calling you to return to your rest. And we can do this by remembering how God has been faithful in the past. Memorization leads to inspiration. It says we can think about how God has previously gone above in our lives, how he has been faithful, how he has been mighty to save in our lives, how he has daily loaded us with benefits. And him says, praise my soul, the king of heaven. He says, you have been ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. God daily loads us with benefits. And because you had a bad 2020, does not invalidate the faithfulness of God. Because you're sick and things are not going well, does not invalidate the promises of God. Let us trust in God's goodness. Let us trust in his steadfast love. Let, steadfast love. Let us rest our soul 
in the fact that God is good and he is faithful and he will take care of you. There's a hymn that says, Be still, my soul, the Lord doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Amen. Amen. And as if to encourage us, encourage us more, he says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. And so the psalmist is not, right here, it's not, and so as a Christian, you see it, you're immediately saying, if I'm dying, I'm going to heaven. But that's not what the psalmist is saying here. The psalmist is saying that God will not allow me to die because he puts value in the life of his children. God cares about me, and so he will not allow me to die. Look at Psalm 72, verse 14. Another, way, another place he says something like, it says, he will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. God cares about you. God is concerned about you. God knows the number of hair on your head, and he will take care of you. And so, in the context of the Old Testament, that's what the psalmist is talking about, that people that serve God were supposed to live full, healthy lives. They were supposed to live a long life. You know, see what the Bible says in Psalm 91. It says, a long life I will, life, I will satisfy you and show, me, show you my salvation. And so he's saying, I trust in God. God is going to delay death because I'm his faithful servant. The problem with that, though, is that if I were dead, I would say miracle delayed is not denied. God will delay death. God has delayed death, but death is like, doesn't really make a difference because these people will still die. And God wanted to make a way. God wanted to change this. God wanted to break the power of death. And so how does he do this? He does, we see how he does it. He sends Jesus, and we see how Jesus does this in Psalm 116. This Psalm we are talking about, the Bible says that after Jesus you know, finished at the end of the Last Supper, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was greatly afflicted and overcome by sorrow. Verse 10, Psalm 116. Says, and he said, the psalmist said, all men are liars, and all men are liars. And we see that everybody was a liar in Jesus' time. They all forsook him. His disciples ran away. His disciples betrayed them. He calls on the name of the Lord like the psalmist does in, in verse 4. And he says, if it were possible, let this call pass from me. But the same God that protects the psalmist from death gives Jesus up. The only person that deserved not to die, he gave him up to death on the cross. And like the psalmist says, the cords and agony of death entangled him. I have been overcome and that death has entangled him. On the cross for our sake, Jesus that knew no sin was made sin for our sake that we may become the righteousness of God. <laughs> and because he sacrificed us. <laughs> that not over. Because, <laughs> because, because his sacrifice was, <laughs> I'm sorry, because his sacrifice was accepted. The Bible says that God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. And if you're a Christian, because of what Jesus Christ has done by his death and his resurrection, death is forced to serve as an usher into the presence of God. Death is no longer a bogeyman. Death is now, he's just, okay, you're going, death is forced to serve as an usher into the presence of God. And death is just the end to our sinning and our interest and our entrance into, into, into eternal life. If God has saved you, even death becomes a benefit. And for those of us who are going through extremely difficult times, you're going through hard times right now. 2020 has been a really bad year, your worst year yet. This is our hope. If the worst thing 
that could ever happen to us have been taken care of by Christ. Then in your difficulty and tragedy, God is at work to resolve it for his glory and your good. The Bible says if God did not spare his son or give him up, how much more will he not give us all things? Trust in him. If eternal death has been taken care of, then in your trials, in your tribulations, you're still safe in God's hands. Now, this catechism I'm going to read from, it was written a long time ago. It's called the Heidelberg Catechism. And one of the questions answered, it says, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work for my salvation. In your darkest times, you're not bereft of the blessing of God. God has not abandoned us. And one of the ways we know that God has not abandoned us, one of the blessings we have is the gift of community. And so God doesn't want you to just stay on your own. The, the Samuel was just so everybody's a liar. I'm on my own. I'm suffering. But no, God has put people around you. Talk to somebody. Talk to your GC leaders. Talk to the elders. Tell them, this is what I'm going through. And they will help you. They will help you because everybody else, all of them have also gone through those things. And the consolation that God has given them, God is going to use it to console you also. Yeah. And why does God bless us so much? Why does he do all of this? Verse 5 tells us of Psalm 116. It says, because... He is gracious and righteous and full of compassion. God told the Jews in Deuteronomy chapter 7 from verse 7 to 8, it says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He tells in the New Testament in Titus, says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. It's because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His mercies fail not. They are new every morning. The steadfast love of the Lord, of the Lord never ceases. And we do not deserve it, but he pours out this love on us. He pours out his love and is overwhelming and it's all we can do is just to worship him and say the Lord is gracious and righteous and full of compassion. And when we talk about righteous, we're always saying, we just go about, going about, talk, we just want to talk about God's holiness. Yes, God is holy and righteous, but he's also righteous in that he keeps his promises. And so if you're a Christian, God has promised you that he will hold you in the whole of his hand. And you can trust that the Lord is righteous. Paul said, he that began the good work in me is faithful to complete it in the day of Christ. And what is our response to all this? The psalmist asks in verse 12, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? Another version says, How can I repay the Lord for his goodness to me? I want to jump there, but the fact that he even thinks about it in the first time that he wants to you know, repay God is remarkable. If you remember the story of the ten lepers, Jesus healed ten people. 90 percent. 90% did not come back to thank him. And I was thinking about it. Could it be that part of the reason why we were so disillusioned about 2020 was because we are taking the blessings of God for granted? Every year could have been 2020. 
And so God has blessed us so much, and we are just, and now that we see a taste of the other side, we are not thanking God. Ah, God, I thank you that other years were bad. I say, no, 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 no. This 2020 is bad. Because we take the blessings of God for granted. The Bible tells us that we are so utterly helpless to control our lives that the Bible says something in James. He says, if you say tomorrow, I'm going to do something. The Bible he says, it is arrogant. He wants to say, if it's the Lord's will, I will do this. Because we are not in control of our lives. And 2020 has showed us that our illusion of control is actually an illusion. And so many times we don't materialize God's blessings to us by not coming back to give thanks like the, like the Samaritan leper. You see, we, don't, we are thinking, well, of course, we never say it, but we think it. It's because I know how to hustle that I have this money. Because I do things right as a parent. That's why my kids don't behave, misbehave. And we trivialize the blessings of God in our lives. I'm going to give one more example. When last did anybody hear? Okay, no, I'm guilty, so. But when last did, how many, how many when last did anybody hear thank God, actually thank God for food? When last? Because even food, Jesus said we should even pray for our daily bread. Because even the food we have, bags of rice in our house, is because God is sustaining us. Because God is the person that is giving us all these things. And so the psalmist is saying, how can I repay God for all these things? And it's a rhetorical question. He's saying, I'm thinking about everything God has done for me. I'm thinking about his goodness. I'm thinking about how he has saved me. I'm thinking about how he has kept me. And how can I pay him for these things? You're supposed to be overwhelmed for, about the goodness of God. If you're, if you, as in, anytime we think about God's goodness, it's supposed to create a response of, of being overwhelmed at what God has done for us, and especially what he did for us in Christ. When we think about how he saved us, we're supposed to be overwhelmed with gratitude. But this, the psalmist doesn't just say, what can I repay God, and then fold his hands. He says... What can I repay God? And he goes ahead to say some things that he's going to do. And so those things, we're going to look at some of those things, and those things will teach us how to live a life of gratitude. The goodness of God should provoke a response of gratitude to us. And the first thing he says is right at the beginning, verse 1. He says, I love the Lord because he heard my voice. His response to God's deliverance is more love. And if you're a Pentecostal, your brain immediately rebels against this. And you're like, you're supposed to thank God for what? You're supposed to love God because of who he is and not because of what he has done. And can I just say that there shouldn't be any tension, sorry. There shouldn't be any tension here between both of them. Yes, God is worthy of adoration in himself. Even if he did not do anything for us, he is infinitely worthy. But at the same time, what he did for us, what he has done for us, reflects that glory that he has. It shows it, it expresses it up to us. And so the only way that we can know that God is love is when we see what he has done for us in sending Jesus to die for us. And so there shouldn't be any tension between thanking God for what he has done and thanking God for who he is. And the psalmist is saying, look, the response, our, our response of, and we can see from the psalmist that he says, I love the Lord because he heard my cry. And so our response of love for God should come when we think about what God has done for us. In Luke 7, Jesus tells us the story of Simon the Pharisee. He doesn't tell us, just in the house of a Pharisee called Simon. 
and he says, and a sinful woman comes to anoint his feet. And Jesus tells Simon a story. He says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And the guy answered, the one that was, owed, that was, that was owing more. The irony of the story is that both the sinful woman and Simon the Pharisee were the people that were owing a more, more amount of money. But only one of them knew that God had forgiven them of so much. Let us not be like Simon the Pharisee. Let us think about what God has done for us and let it provoke a response of love to us. And there's a, there's a chart we like to talk about in City Church. We did it in one of our studies, and it's called the cross chart. And it says that the more growth in godliness comes, the more I see God's holiness and God's grace higher, and the more I see how totally undeserving of it. And so every day I wake up, I'm like, God, I do not deserve your grace. And I see that God has overwhelmingly poured his grace upon me. And so I begin to grow in godliness with that awareness, a growing awareness of that. Do not ever say, this is what I did. This is like Nebuchadnezzar. This is mighty Babylon that I built with my hands. We know that we are sinners. We not only love God, but he poured his love upon us. And part of the problem is that we do not feel this way. We know that we should feel grateful to God. We know that we should be overwhelmed, you know, with love to God for what he has done for us. But the truth is that many times we do not feel this way. And there's one prayer I learned a few years ago that was very powerful, that for my life that has been very powerful. It says, God, give me grace to desire it. And so when the desire to love him comes from God, and we can join Danish philosopher um, Kierkegaard. So in Kierkegaard, he says, God in heaven, let me rightly feel my nothingness, not to despair over it, but all the more intensely to feel the greatness of your goodness. We can pray that prayer and trust that God will grant us that overwhelming love for him. The second thing is that he wants to tell publicly of what God has done for him. He says, I will tell this in the congregation. And it's something, I grew up in Port Harcourt, so it was very weird when I came to Lagos. Everybody likes to move in silence in Lagos. I said, God is blessing you, but you're just keeping it low-key, low-key, low-key. I said, if you want to travel, you're not going to tell people that, <laughs> that you're trying to read there. If you're pregnant, nobody will know that you're pregnant. You know? And a lot of times, we like to minimize, minimize the blessings of God. Sorry, I must remember something. So, but, so a lot of times, I, used, I, mean, I used to say this, so I came to Lagos and learned it. So when we're talking about money and so on, I had to say, I mean, upper, lower class. Not, not, lower, not lower, upper class. I mean, upper, lower class. But the fact of the matter is that God has actually blessed me. But a lot of times, we minimize the blessings of God. And David says in verse Psalm 40, he says, I will proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. He wants to tell publicly, this is what God did for me. I'm the person God has helped. Come and see, like the song says, what the Lord has done for me. And you're not asking, but in City Church, we don't do testimony service. That's not true. In our GCs, we have the opportunity 
to actually testify, this is what God is doing for me. And God wants us to actually tell people. And many times when we now tell people, people that were lost without hope, God uses what he has done for us to encourage them. God is what he has done for us to stir up their faith. And people that hear it will learn to put their hope in God. It also means that we, are, we should be quick to tell people about the love of Jesus. We should be quick to tell people what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We do not just hide our light under the bushel, but we want to tell everybody what God has done. The third thing is that he wants to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And so in the time of the Old Testament, it would probably be an actual sacrifice. But in Hebrews chapter 13 from verse 15, it tells us a sacrifice that we can do. He says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of leaves that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with, just, with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And so two things we can do. We can thank God and we can be generous. But we do this through Jesus Christ. And so what does it look like to do our thanksgiving, to thank God and to be generous while we are thinking about what God has done for us? It means that, for example, when we come for adoration, there should be an emotional response. And people may be differently, people are different, they may not express emotions the same way. But what it does, what it certainly means is that you should not be pressing your phone and be on social media when we are singing to God. You should be thinking about, this is what God has done for me. I do not deserve it. I do not deserve it. I want to cry out to God. I want to sing his praise. And many times when we are just aloof, we are forgotten what God actually did for us. It means that we want to praise him, we want to sing his praise. We are eager to praise him. It means that when we think about what God, what God is in our lives, when we are talking to our children, you say it is God that provided this for us. The second thing is that generosity is generosity. What does it look like to give thinking about what God has done for us? The first thing is that there will be eagerness. We want to give. And many times we call it offering, but in our head is actually a payment. But the word offering is that I want to offer it. God has done so much for me. I want to give him. And that's what happens when it happened in children of Israel, also in the Old New Testament, who are thinking about what God had done for them. They gave and gave and gave and gave. This is what it means. We are not, and I'm not saying you should give a lot of money, as in give money that you don't have, but you should not just give to God carelessly. You should not just, you know, The last one. But you have to think about it. This is what somebody did for me. I want to prepare a gift for him. And we know all these things. Somebody gave you a job. When you're going to thank the person, you don't buy, of course, you buy a fruit basket. You don't stop on the road and buy orange from him, Malam. No. You, you, you think about what God has done. For, you think about it, rather. And you pack, you will heap the basket and take it to the person. Our offering should actually be a, a, an offering. And so it's not just that we are giving, but we are giving with our hearts. We are saying, God. And we, many of us, we need to think about, and me inclusive, we need to think about how we give and what we give. So many of us can afford to give a lot more than we do. But if you're thinking about what God has done for you, it changes everything. And generosity is not just generosity to each other, but generosity to people around you. You want to open your home and welcome people because that's how God welcomed you. 
you want to help this person and help that person, you have a life of openness, outward facing, because you're thinking that God has helped me, God has changed my life, God has saved me. I want to spread this goodness to everybody. I want to help people with the things that God has blessed me. Final thing that we're going to talk about, now you can, Elijah. <laughs> is that, <laughs> is that he says, he says in verse 16, he says, Lord, I am your servant. You have loosed my bones. He said in verse 8 that you have set me free so I can walk before the Lord in the land of the living. A life that is grateful to God will offer itself in service to God. A life that is grateful to God who want to do it God's will. And Peter says different things. In Second Peter, he says, add to your faith godliness and do this and do this and do that. And he says, those that do not do this, they are forgotten that they were cleansed from their sins. If you remember what God has done for us, that's why Romans chapter 12 says, let us offer by the mercy of God in the light of everything. Therefore, let us offer our life as a living sacrifice to God. Friends, I want us to look at our lives. Are we, are we offering it as a service to God? Are we trying to live a life that pleases God, a life lived in service to God because he has loosed my bonds and I will be his servant? God sets us free from our sin so that we can enter into service to him. And it's not just service, personal service of living a godly life. We can also serve his people. There are many things we can do in church. We can offer to volunteer. We can serve God by serving the people of God. The life that has been helped by God spreads outwards in gratitude to God. The person that realizes that God has saved him and he cannot offer anything in gratitude to God wants to offer everything he has to God. What shall we render to God for all his benefits towards us? What can we render? What can we possibly render to him for all his benefits towards us? God has been faithful to us. And we should dedicate our lives in service to him. Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.